0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees. I am here this evening with Amanda from Idaho. She is an adoptive mother. And she's going to be coming on our show tonight to talk about the journey and a little bit about her point of view. So, welcome, Amanda. It's good to have you.
1: Thank you. Super excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So let's. Uh, so tell me about yourself. Uh, about who you are, and so we can get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in North Idaho, a tiny little town called Coeur d'Alene. Met my husband here. His family. He's also born and raised. We're locals, and yeah, just grew up. In the mountains, camping, fishing, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I have a couple siblings, a big family. We both have big families that are all around here, so that's a big blessing.
0: That's that sounds yeah, that's great. Family is a loving and a uh, blessing, of course, as we know. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell us briefly what made you want to adopt?
1: Yeah. Well. Adoption has always been on my heart. It's always something that I wanted to pursue, and my husband had felt the same way. And it was something that we knew in the future we wanted to go through. We always pictured that you know you had to be I don't know more like mature or stable or whatever to adopt because it seems like this big, huge, scary thing, but it's not. It's it's a journey and it's hard, but it's beautiful and redeeming. But we just had this like scary idea, but if you wait for that perfect moment, it's never going to happen. So we were like, you know what, let's, let's go for it. So we prayed about it and really felt like now was the time. And now looking back, it was, it's almost three years ago, Three oh Oh my gosh. It's almost like four years ago now that we started the process. So
0: wow, it's wow.
1: been a journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. So when you were during the process of adopting, did you... Have multiple agencies. How did you, I guess, go about finding the right, you know, the right uh, agency or church program or whatever you use to start the adoption and go through the process? What was like the planning behind all that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we researched a few different agencies. We have friends in the area that went through. A certain agency several times, and so we knew that it was a good, trusted agency. And so we looked into their beliefs, their programs, which countries they were, you know, working with, and we knew that that's the agency we wanted to go through. Is Small World was the agency, and um, yeah, researched their countries and. Felt extremely called and just completely fell in love with Liberia and was like, "This is it. Let's let's do it." So
0: that's really cool. I've uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever run into an adoptee from Liberia. So whenever I get the yeah. uh, privilege to speak with your daughter, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But so mm. that's cool that you found that country and was that a country that was very popular at the time with the agency that they were adopting a lot of children from, or did they give you a couple different, I guess, countries? And I know that's kind of an odd question, but uh, you know, from an adoptee, my parents, had, you know, I was from Russia. My parents had, you know, mm-hmm. different countries they could really select from if they wanted to. It just happened to be yeah. at the time the agency was pushing Russia really hard. So I'm just curious what, you know, your uh, story was.
1: Yeah, yeah, they weren't pushing any certain country. I mean, every country has different guidelines and an age that you have to be or, you know, how many years married or, you know, different little things like that. Uh, We qualified for several different countries, but um, yeah, it wasn't one that they were pushing. And we just, we researched very thoroughly and we just completely, like, we fell in love with the people, the culture and just the... just the entire country. It's beautiful. And yeah, we got into, they connected us first with a Facebook group of other families that have adopted. And so we got to hop in there and just ask questions and meet people. And so we became very connected and rooted as well. And so that it ended up, it became like another family too.
0: Wow. That's really cool that you got to have like this instant support group right away and you're utilizing technology compared to adoptive parents in the nineties, you know, who are struggling with this process alone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, that's really incredible. So how long did the whole process from start to finish take you guys?
1: Start to finish from the moment we submitted the application to let's say like the day we returned home from Liberia, it was probably two and a half years overall. Wow. Yeah. And we had been, you know, pursuing a family for over five years, trying to have a family. And yeah, two and a half years in the process as a whole.
0: Wow. Did you have to take multiple trips overseas yeah. or was it a one and done?
1: Yeah, we could have taken multiple trips. So we actually ended up getting delayed by the U.S. Embassy over in Liberia. So we were there for two and a half months. Oh, wow. And what they told us was we're more than welcome to go home and wait, but we didn't want to lose that time with our daughter. And it it was scary. I mean, we were running out of money and how are we going to do this? And But the people that we were staying with in Liberia just really took us in as their own and became like another set of parents to us. And they just really took care of us, reassured us. We stayed with them and we were very blessed you know, when we thought that things weren't going to work out like my husband thought he was going to have to go home in the middle of it and come back and I we were like we want at least one of us to stay so we thought he was going to have to go and I was going to have to stay and then his work just said you know what no you need to be there so we'll pay you for this time and so it was just things like that that came through that you know we're like this is going to be okay we can stay here we can Continue to bond and grow as a family.
0: So that 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 definitely sounds like it was uh, a blessing and meant to happen. So that's what it sounds like. That's great. What is the uh, so you mentioned over in Liberia how you talk about this other family right that you Mm -hmm. kind of had an experience with? I'm curious, what's the culture's point of view over there of Americans adopting children?
1: In our experience, they were very, very welcoming and very excited for the opportunities and just the family that she was getting brought into. Overall, it's just, it was nothing but reassuring and welcoming. Um, and the people that we lived with, and it was kind of like a like a bed and breakfast type place almost that we stayed yeah. at. But they you know, taught me how to make meals. They taught me how to do her hair they took us around to all the local shops and so they were just incredibly supportive and very excited for us so I didn't I didn't feel at any point like there was any hesitation or hate towards us at all
0: that's that's really special that's really cool that yeah. they were so welcoming and you know I <laughs> things have changed over the 20 years let's put it that way um, a lot of Russian adoptees, Our parents didn't have that experience, (laughs) but um, it's great that you had yours with uh, Libya very successfully, it sounds like. So how important to you and your husband was it to keep that birth culture a little bit of your daughter alive? Do you actively uh, try recipes with her from her native country or a certain language or a, you know, certain artwork. I mean, people do different things to try to mm-hmm. show, you know, honor their other side. So this,
1: yeah, yeah. We, we always want to celebrate the holidays. So this year, since her being home, we've been able to celebrate Liberian independence day and flag day and um, different things like that. And then on her forever day. So the day that she officially became our daughter, we, want to always be able to make a meal. So this year we made um it's called cassava leaf and it was I
0: have no idea what that is. <laughs> it,
1: it's really good. It's really good. Um uh, so we always want to make, you know, different meals on these holidays as well and then incorporate them throughout like our weekly meals. It's harder here to get the ingredients though, so I have to, you know, Seattle is the closest place to be able to find those ingredients. So when we go over there I pick up a bunch, but yeah, so when we have those ingredients, we'll make meals. And then on her forever day, we actually, when we were in Liberia, we bought an item for every birthday until she turns 21 from Liberia. So every forever day, we'll give her a gift is- from Liberia. So, and as the ages, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to give her this huge gift dress when she's three years old. So when it's going to fit her when she's 17. So, you know, just like throughout the years, be able to give her a gift from her home
0: country. That is so cool. I applaud you so much for doing that.
1: I mean, it was, it was the best advice ever was doing that. When we first started, I was like, yes, I absolutely want to do that. That's perfect. And then journaling through the entire process. So everything that happened, every high, every low, every time when I felt like I was breaking down or anytime we got an acceptance or a denial, you know, like journaling everything so that someday when she, you know, wants to read through that or has questions, I can show it to her. And, and we have that whole process just written down and every tear and every laugh and everything. So
0: that That's really special. She's going to cherish mm-hmm. that. And she's going to be very thankful that you have that. Um, you have no idea how much, like from an adoptee's point of view, that makes me feel really, Really good, you, like you. Have, you know, like thank you for taking that extra step. Really, a lot of a lot of adoptees they didn't have that experience, and your daughter's lucky. I can tell. <laughs> so I'm really happy for you. So the adoption, I'm trying to think in in Libya, right? Um, Liberia. Is it, Liberia. Sorry, not mm-hmm. Libya. My bad. <laughs> is it? Was it technically a closed adoption? Did you get the names of birth relatives? Kind of talk to us about that a little bit. Like how much information do you really have?
1: We don't have a lot. Um, We did have the opportunity to meet and spend time with some of her birth family while we were in Liberia. So a few times we were able to. There was boundaries from, you know, they have when you go to court, we met with them to say goodbye, and then a couple other times there. But, you know, adoption has to be finalized for the most part to be able to do certain things and meet with them in certain ways. So, but yeah, we did get to spend time with them a little bit, which I'm super grateful for. It is, I wouldn't know how to describe if it's like open or closed adoption, because if we have their contact information, we would be able to reach out. But they live out in a place where there's. they have no phones, they have no internet access, they have nothing, and so there's no way for us to be able to keep in contact. Oh, okay. But we do have names, yeah, we do know her family, yeah, over there.
0: So do you think as she gets older, when she starts to ask questions, how are you going to approach, I guess, her other half? What's mm-hmm. your... You know, a lot of adoptive parents sometimes are protective of that information, or they're willing to, you know, be there by their side as you know they get older. Uh, do you think you're prepared for all that?
1: As prepared as I know, I know, I know, know that's uh, that's a little bit, be, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's something that we we constantly talk about, and we're it's like constant preparation. We want to be able to someday go back to Liberia with her. When she's older and when she understands, obviously she's only three right now. So there it would be, she wouldn't understand in any capacity, but uh, when she's older and understands, be able to take her there and answer any questions we want to be as vulnerable as possible with her for her benefit to know everything and to understand her story and who she is. And there's so much trauma that you don't realize even as babies, you know, even little babies have trauma that they grow into and have to work through. So it definitely being that open book and complete vulnerable selves with her through all of it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, you know, you mentioned trauma and my question is how much did the, or if at, at any point, did the adoption agency, in your opinion, adequately prepare you for the unknown? of adopting a child they kind of educate you and say you know what we don't know the full situation and i mean the, i think the best way to put it is my adoptive mom told me you know when they were adopting they didn't really focus on that you know once they said that's my child that's my child and whatever happens to it you know we'll deal with it and but they this was a different time they had limited medical history i didn't yeah. they didn't know a lot but I'm just curious from your experience so far, do you think you were accurate, you know, are you prepared enough to deal with the potentially unknown of uh, what might happen?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that the agency did, they prepared us as much as they could. They put us through different classes, sent us to different websites that would have different courses and uh, lots of books like The Connected Child, if you've ever heard of that book. Um, And then, yeah, plugging us into different support groups and keeping us uh, in close contact with the social worker here that did our home study and providing different groups through that as well. And I think just the support as a whole, being in these other groups with Liberian families and being surrounded with that is like a game changer almost. You know, it's like a it's that inner circle that just constantly loves and supports. And you can go to with complete vulnerability and just be like, Hey, this is what's going on. I, I need help. I need guidance. What, what's your advice? And, you know, I do feel like we were incredibly blessed in with our agency, the way that they handled situations, because we did not have the easiest process. And I, I talk like it was, we, I mean, we had an amazing experience in Liberia, but we also had a very hard and Heartbreaking experience as well. But, you know, they handled it all well. They provided such amazing support and all the groups. And so I, I feel like we're as prepared as we could be. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, overall the experience was positive, but I do know about that uh, unfortunate event that happened. So I'll give you an opportunity to, from your words, kind of explain what happened yeah. and how, how it affected you.
1: Yeah. So, In Liberia, you get matched with children, and we were approved for two kids, and we were so excited to have gotten matched right before Christmas with two beautiful girls. Our Isla was a twin sister, and when the girls were brought to the orphanage, they were very severely malnourished, and her sister just couldn't recover. So in February, she had passed away in the middle of the night. And we got the call the next day. Um, And so it's, I don't even know how to begin to, I don't know, express my feelings on that. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's crushing. It's, we, I mean, we prepared so much. I put, I put so much together in their room and sorry my dog is like... <laughs> oh that's fine
0: don't worry about it we love pets
1: <laughs> yeah he knows when I'm sad I'm...
0: no yeah
1: he uh yeah so we I mean we put so much into this home to prepare for them and surprising our families and it and I mean in my heart these girls were mine and they're my daughters and I mean we lost her but I'll still love her every day for the rest of my life and I'll get to meet her again someday. I just, I know that she's healthy and she's safe in Jesus's arms. And we don't hide that from Isla either. She knows who her sister is, but we want to be cautious of that as well. Cause we don't know how she'll take it. I mean, she, in the beginning was, you know, she had her sister and then she didn't. And then she had us. And so it's, it's hard. We're, you know, preparing as much as we can for when the day comes when she has all these questions, or navigating through everything. But our agency handled everything really well. It's still like a constant grieving, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I watch her play and how she's growing, and then I think about what it would be like to have. I'm sorry, have both that's, of them that's, here.
0: That's fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I understand that. Uh, my Yeah, my parents actually told me that uh, during the adoption process with me, they were matched with another uh, child that they were planning to bring home as well. But the adoption fell through because the child suddenly was unavailable and Mm -hmm. they don't know what happened. But my mom said it was practically like having a miscarriage. That's the way she said it and said, you know, his name was Nicholas and, you know, we were you know we were just as excited and the same thing happened so i totally understand that and yeah i mean it's hard definitely i mean from a parent's point of view i couldn't imagine that but you know the fact that you know that she's okay and she's in a better place right now you know you'll be able to bond and uh express those you know feelings with uh, your daughter as she grows and I think that'll bring you guys together closer. That's just my opinion, but hopefully yeah, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Isla, I mean, Isla carries her name. Her middle name is Praise. So her sister's name was Praise. And so oh, that's great. She carries her sister's name. And
0: that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. When, wow, that was deep. <laughs> when you were going through the adoption process, what was the hardest thing? that you had to accomplish through the whole process? Like, what would you say was the hardest obstacle to get through?
1: Oh, it's funny because, not funny, but, you know, um, when I read through, back through my journal, and I think about all the moments when I was stressed out the most, and I just saw how, yeah. like, God brought us through it, how I was so panicked over one thing, and then it, it worked out, you know? But I think the most difficult thing, obstacle to overcome was actually when we were in Liberia and we weren't getting answers from the embassy. They were investigating our case so deeply. And Isla, I mean, she's recovering from being malnourished. She's having all these medical issues going on and we could do nothing. And so it was just like, it's crushing as a parent because there's only so much you can do, but we couldn't get the proper Care for her. So it was just fighting with them and reaching out to our local governors and congressmen and trying to just fight through all of that. And I think that's the most defeated I've ever felt in my whole life too, is just my daughter sitting here is, I don't know what, I mean, we lost her sister. So as you can imagine, my mind is just reeling with all the possibilities and how badly I just want to get her home and get proper medical care and so i think that was the hardest most difficult obstacle to overcome um yeah yeah
0: it's yeah it sounds like it was a lot of uncertainty that especially after like you just said after losing the the sister it's you know what 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 would happen if something else you know went terribly wrong and yeah i can see that i can see why that would be stressful to say the least yeah (laughs) i know my adoptive mom said pretty much the same thing after the other child something fell through and then a new law in russia came out at the time where all of a sudden all adoptions got paused for Mm -hmm. whatever reason and people started getting denied and my mom was like on the verge of just you know losing it she told me pretty much but her her goal was she was traveling to Russia and she said you know I'm going to get there and our goal is to get you out of there as quick as possible and I you know she's like the only relief I felt was when our the wheels touched down in Boston
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I'm like we're, we're home we made it but yeah so I'm trying to think so your, your daughter's fairly young right now when do you think at what age has the adopted your your adoption agency did they kind of explain to you what age they might guess that she might begin asking questions about a little bit more about her history and where she's from because in you know as she gets uh older you know in schools they talk about for example in science class we talked about genetics where you get your Mm -hmm. traits from and that's when they start realizing wait like Hmm. How am I going to answer these questions? Right.
1: Right. Yeah, they didn't really give us like a I mean a solid like age or at what point. I mean, she kind of already is like she she'll say Isla's is brown, mommy's white. And so she kind of like picks up on those things already. Uh, but not so much asking questions. I think with how she's progressing, I would I would think Probably like five or six, she would start really asking a little bit more. But right now, I mean, we are surrounded with so many other adoptive families, too. And so that helps. I know that she's going to have support, too, when that happens. And yeah. Well,
0: we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that was kind of a hard question of like what age, but I'm, I'm just yeah. curious of what your opinion really was. I mean, right. I know every, every adopted child's different and everything, mm-hmm. but I was just curious from an adopted parent's yeah. point of view, you know, kind of it's, it's, you know, I'm very fascinated on the information that you get and
1: how oh, yeah, different, yeah. how
0: different the experience was today compared mm-hmm. to, you know, in the nineties, <laughs> right. It's,
1: it's right.
0: Adoptions come a long way. I can tell. So you said that your daughter was adopted, you said almost four years ago?
1: Well, I guess it seems like, well, well, so we adopted her in, so 2020, we started the process. So I guess I was meaning that almost four years since we started the process as a whole.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: 2022, we adopted her officially. Yeah. We found out about her and her sister in the end of 2021.
0: Okay. So, uh. Of course, you're, you're probably expecting this question, but I'm very curious to know, what was the process like adopting a child during a pandemic?
1: Um, it was terrible because <laughs> it delayed so many things. And in the moment, just felt like the end of the world Because with our home study. It was really the in the thick of it was during our home study. And so what should have taken like three months took eight and then you know getting our appointment with USCIS took six months and so it just the timeline got extended so much but looking back it was all those delays that made it to where we got matched with Isla and her sister and so it's just it's God's timing throughout like it's undeniable and so looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. But in the moment, you know, it always feels like the end of the world. Right. You just right. want to get through it. and
0: yeah. yeah. Did you get any medical history at all with your daughter or no? I know you said no. that the information was pretty low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just the fact that her and her sister were very malnourished and then they provided us with their treatment plan at the orphanage. But yeah, that's that's all we got.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I was just curious about that. It seems a lot of adoptees, we don't get the privilege of knowing much uh, medical history, which is right. always tough when we go to the doctor yeah. every year. And, you know, it's a reminder when they always ask you, well, do you have any family history? And they, you know, we always have to say, I don't know, <laughs> adopted. Yeah. And at least it's an option on a lot of forms now. So that's
1: right. That's, true. that's,
0: that's progress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when, as your daughter gets older, what do you think is going to be the most exciting thing that you can tell her about being adopted from your from your point of view, like how, how are you going to phrase it? I mean, I know you already explained how she knows that she's adopted or kind of has a sense and she'll get a better understanding as she gets older. But are you excited to talk about it with her? Are you excited to show her the history of her country? her home country and the food, maybe you guys will end up cooking together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I've dreamed about being a mom my entire life. And so there's so many things that I can't wait for, but then for Isla too, just letting her know that she was just 100% fully chosen and that we wanted nothing but her and her sister. And uh, just for her to know how loved and that she was through the whole process as well as her sister and to just be able to honor her culture and her country as much as we can and join in that with her and yeah, like travel to Liberia. I can't wait for that someday and to hopefully be able to meet up with our family over there and yeah, yeah, just so many things. But yeah, the biggest thing is I just want her to know how She was just she was chosen, and we would not ever have it any other way.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and yeah, that's just great. When um, during the adoption process, did she retain her citizenship over there, or is she a dual citizen, or did she lose that part of the process?
1: She did like lose her Liberian citizenship, so I guess she loses it after a certain period of time, which I think it's. Oh gosh, I can't remember. It's like a whirlwind, you know, in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's after like 12 months or something like that.
0: Okay. Do you know if she can? Uh, I, I mean, I know every country is different, but do you think that she'll be able to reclaim it uh, one day to have dual citizenship? Usually by birth, she can claim it that she was born right. there. And it might yeah. make traveling easier for her.
1: Right. When you guys yeah, I do, I don't no um her liberian passport they set to expire very shortly after you get home uh, as well as the visa and then you know she has her citizenship we have a u.s passport for her now and so it's kind of i haven't actually looked into that but i i should but that's (laughs) i'm i'm not sure on that
0: okay no that's fine i was just curious yeah it's just It's good to know. I mean, just from a travel point of view, uh, a lot of a lot of Russian adoptees like myself, we didn't know. Before the year 2000, the laws were a little different for us 90s kids. We had to travel back. So Russia views all of its uh, people born there as citizens for life, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So when we come to travel back to like, you know, family or take a trip with our adoptive parents over there, we always had to go on a Russian passport they would, they would deny our visas on an American passport because they'd look at it and say, you know, birthplace, Russia. And they're like, Oh, well, you don't need an American passport. (laughs) Yeah. So just curious, but anyway, so what's, you know, have you heard any negative stories about adoption and has this ever scared you or your husband away from it?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've heard, we know plenty of families that have had bad experiences or a lot of hate towards their adoptions. And I mean, we've had people say just some one-off things that are just kind of like, Oh, I, you know, I just, yeah, just makes you uncomfortable. And, but we've learned to just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Cause I mean, at least for me, I want to believe that everybody has a genuine heart when they're saying things and they might not just know how to express that properly. But I mean it it is scary but it's not something that we don't feel like we're equipped for or that we're not ready to i mean we're always learning but it's an opportunity for everybody else too you know it's there's always opportunity to learn and to grow and to understand each other you
0: know? yeah absolutely take it in stride yeah absolutely Oh, that's wonderful I have to ask when you were over adopting your daughter did you bring a camera did you take a lot of photos yeah i i yeah. i figured i figured you would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so many and i'm that person that i i don't like keeping them all on my phone so i make photo books of every yep. trip that we take so i have this huge photo book of all of the pictures from liberia and there's probably thousands this wow I mean, she's, it's like, she's
0: gonna love you so much for everything you've done <laughs> like you don't want
1: to miss an opportunity and just like i don't know and then videos too that's why we started like putting videos on tiktok was because my phone was just so overloaded with videos that i ran out of space so yeah. i'm like i don't know what to do with all of these but i'm such a sentimental person that i don't want to get rid of them so yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> i had to figure something out
0: do you uh, do you foresee yourself ever becoming an author?
1: That's really funny that you say that because I just had somebody ask me that this morning. <laughs> um, <Wow. laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, but I used to. It's I used to love to write stories a lot. I have a whole like case of my own like short stories from growing yeah. up, and I like writing. And I love books, but maybe. I don't know. Right now, probably not, but who knows what the future one, holds. One day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to come and join us tonight and talk about your daughter and the whole thank process. You. It was very, very heartwarming for me and I'm sure for all the listeners to know how much effort you really put in as an adoptive mother to show the importance of the you know the early stages of know her life and she really is going to be so grateful and i I promise you that like you can hold me to that a lot of adoptees you know weren't as lucky i know that to have as much information that you do already and it's just amazing so my last question for you is what advice would you like to pass on to our listeners today from amanda from idaho
1: <laughs> <laughs> um There's never going to be a perfect time. So you just, I mean, if it's something that you're considering adoption or, you know, it is, it's never a perfect time. Just go for it. And it's a beautiful and redeeming process. And to journal, that was the best advice that I had ever gotten was to journal through the whole thing. And I'm a terrible journaler, but it was worth every second. Yeah. So
0: Uh, that's that's some good advice and definitely writing everything down and documenting everything is going to go a long way so we appreciate it so much thank you so much again for stopping by if anything changes we'll see you very soon of course so it's been a pleasure to all of our listeners thank you so much folks we're going to be uh airing this episode shortly Stay tuned at voiceofadoptees.com. You can always come join us on the show. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much and have a great evening. And we will see you next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.